Welcome back to Out of the Question, brought to you by The Kicker. That's thekicker.substack.com. Subscribe now. This week's guest on Out of the Question is writer, comedian, and musician Sammy J. It's a great chat. How could it not be? We talk about Sammy's start in comedy, some of the formative shows he was involved in as a writer-performer, the sitcom he created with Heath MacGyver called Sammy J and Randy in Ricketts Lane, and then his transition to political satire with Sammy J's Playground Politics. Now he's taking a live version of his political satire featuring stand-up songs and storytelling around Australia. For bookings, check out sammy-j.com. Right now, you can hear him host Breakfast on ABC Melbourne, where he reveals himself to be a natural broadcaster. As usual, I started things off by asking Sammy J how his colleagues would describe him. So this is an interesting question, Adam, because I've only had fellow workers for like three years because I've never had a job until I started on Breakfast Radio in Melbourne. So until then, it's just been, for me, sporadic projects, you know, live comedy and entertainment in various forms, uh, which... You know, I think does uh, can encourage behaviour that uh, doesn't need to have a good reputation left in its wake. No, yeah. <laughs> so, um, not that you know, I don't think of myself as an asshole or anything, but certainly, you know, the the comedy world is very self focused, and it's all yeah. about you know yourself and your particularly when you're younger. Um, but now I'm, I'm one of my jobs is working in radio every day, so I've got a team, I've got colleagues, I've got staff meetings. Like, there's a proper it's actually opened my eyes to the world of that most people have and not in a negative way. Like I love it. I love the regularity. I love having ongoing relationships and it's really nice being accountable. Like you can't, you know, no, no one puts up with particularly at ABC, which is probably next level in terms of its expectations and stuff. But Mm. there's a baseline of respect that is, you know, for sake of argument, not always there at 1130 at night at a a drunken pub environment. Yeah, that's right. Um, which hasn't answered the question, but that's the sort of thing you learn on radio, Adam. You uh, reframe the. Uh, so <laughs> I, they would probably think like I just did. I, I imagine they would say I'm pretty neurotic. Maybe like I overthink things, or, or that's the charitable way. Probably that I overcomplicate things. I could turn something that should be simple into a 27 minute discussion. Um, <laughs> that, that's uh, yeah. I don't. You know, you, you shudder to think too deeply about that question because I don't. You know, what they think of me is none of my business. In theory, I hope they like me. I, I presume they do. Uh, I think when I probably am most keenly aware that there'd be negative things to say would be in my job, like straight after the radio show, because it's like three hours on air and then at eight o'clock, you know, we finish and we go for coffee. And often in that hour, I'm quite a stunned mullet. Like I'm just sitting there just physically winding down. And I always feel like that's, that's when we stop being a team because until then we're all working together, very much the same sort of thing. But then, um, everyone has their own come down after a radio show, but in my sense, it's like a physical performance muscle as well that is sort of easing off. So I can be sitting there and, and have not heard a thing anyone said for 60 seconds and then ask them to repeat the question, that sort of thing. So I reckon that's when I'd be described as, you know, vaguely aloof, but hopefully <laughs> nothing too too worse than that. What about when you first came on and, uh, you know, that I'm not saying I, I don't have any information on this. I don't have any intel on this. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, when any presenter first comes on the ABC, you can see this text messages coming through and the scrolling oh, comments yeah. and you go, holy shit, you know, all these people have these opinions of me and they don't know me. What was what was that like? Yeah. Um, it was an interesting process because I had a lot of, like, support from my like team or whatever saying hey now it's going to be really it could be really brutal that's as you just described like that happens um but i think everyone underestimated 
both what a career in entertainment does to you in terms of you know breaking you down to begin with and secondly my tendency to have a low opinion of myself anyway like i'll generally agree with criticism and so genuinely that was sort of turned out to be a positive in that sense like i had it pretty good when i started because i came off the back of a different presenter who had been put in a really difficult position after a long-standing breakfast host in Melbourne mm. uh, was was left, um, you know, Red Simon specifically left and mm. it wasn't his choice to leave. So there was a lot of backlash over that. So I was sort of yeah, yeah. came in uh, with, with some uh, ground, some, some basic support there. Um, so I have no complaints about that. And But, yeah, when the really brutal cutting text came through, 99% of the time I was able to laugh because it wasn't <laughs> – any worse than what has been like written by me in a comedy festival review and published in the paper, you know. And, right, you are you are match fit. Yeah, match fit, and very much at peace with the idea that some people won't like me. Like that's yeah. that's how you survive in in showbiz, isn't it? So I, I I'm never going to yeah. please everyone, and in fact, I might only ever please quite a specific niche portion of, of the audience, and that is more than okay with me. What words did you learn that you mispronounced? Um, oh, what grammar oh, <laughs> did you get wrong? <laughs> it's ongoing, and there's, and there's some stuck in my head now because they're on radio. Like I still can't say biopic. I say I say biopic instead of biopic oh, when yeah, like the right. Elvis movie comes out. Uh, uh, oh man, it's February. I say like February, and then people say you know it's February. Like oh, wow. ABC audience, a, a specific brand of pedants, which I yeah. who I just adore for that. Um, but yeah, there are some words that I just basically. Like when you Google Maps redirects you, I just I just change the what I'm about to say to avoid saying the word that I can't pronounce. But pronunciation, see, it's not pronunciation, it's pronunciation. Oh, they came at me for that, which was next level irony. Wow, it's got a nicely self uh, self mocking sense as well, though, where people enjoy picking up on it because it's like everyone's like role playing. Like sometimes yeah. I'll purposely say a word wrong to annoy them, and then they'll know I'm annoying them, but they can't stop texting it anyway. That's which is delightful. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a little gameplay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the second question, mate, is what's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? I was thinking about this. I'm going to go back uh, 20 years to my first gig. This is me as a pimply 19-year-old at the Comics Lounge in Melbourne, you know, a, a world where I was the odd one out. I had like a piano, a keyboard rather, singing quaint little ditties, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> to... to Crowds had all had a beer, and they just wanted you know solid jokes. And to the you know, in their defence, they deserved that. But I was there trying to do highfalutin sort of political shit. It was just it was a mismatch for a while there. And yeah. um, Brad Oakes, who was you know an old guard, and who I used to I grew up seeing him on Hey Hey Saturday. He was one of the guys who was, I remember specifically when not everyone was he's kind to new comics, but he was actually really kind to me and generous with his time. And I remember first or second gig, he actually took me aside and said, "Hey, just one thing." Um, you think about using your real name because I was using Sammy J, which is just a stupid like nickname. My full name is Samuel Jonathan McMillan, which is just a standard normal name. And Sammy yeah, J yeah. was like a nickname from high school. I just went with it. And he's like, use your real name. I was like, oh, why? He said, oh, it's just when people write your checks, you know, it's going to be confusing. You're not going to be able to bank the checks. <laughs> which Always was... thinking, Brad Oaks, always thinking of the checks. <laughs> it was a genuine, genuinely helpful at the time. But I decided that, um, the ability to remember my name was more important than the ability to get paid. And I like to think, <laughs> I like to think now I've, I've outlived the need for checks in the business. <laughs> right. That's so, that's so practical. It's like, you know, I could imagine him thinking that just going, yeah, I've got to tell that guy. 
and, and he's probably had the issue because, were, you know, there, a lot of people use stage names and stuff and it does come up. I've had a few issues where you know, you've got to get your real name in right. But um, no, I think on balance, even though I still feel like it's a bit of a, you know, millstone, you know, Sammy J's a stupid name and it sounds... Oh, I love it. I love know, it. Like, no, no, no. But it's, it's, it's fun to say and it's fun to enjoy and exactly. it's fun to mock. It does everything I need in a showbiz career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, what's the failure you most cherish? Can I give you two or is that greedy? Oh, mate, give me three. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, no. <laughs> I don't no, no that's, too, that's too much. That's going not... pretty well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> first one was, uh, again, early days, 2005. You will remember this show, Adam. I don't know how many of your, your listeners and viewers will, but a little show called Let Loose Live on Channel oh, yes. 7. Yes. What do you remember about the show? I, I remember uh, Let Loose Live. I, I, I remember Brendan Luno being in bike pants. Yeah, Correct. That was um, one of the big to with Michael Veach, was it or Michael Veach? So this was, you know, this was a show, and I will never have a crack at anyone for wanting to bring comedy onto TV, let alone onto a commercial network, uh, let alone sketch comedy, like all noble uh, pursuits. And so good on Channel Seven at the time for getting behind it. Um, the problem, as I saw it and see it, was it was a classic thing which happens time and time again, where you have really talented writers and really talented cast members, and they don't even organize a meet and great lunch to get together it was a very separate world uh and so i was the new kid along with kate mcclennan we were the two the fresh faces. Yeah. That's the first yeah, time amazing cast michael veach peter moon mark downey uh, uh colin lane dave o'neill jane hall like yeah you know beautiful people um but it was a live to air sketch comedy show which had so much money thrown at it but it was a classic thing where the network they had in mind that their first priority was big budget parodies of their own shows. So there was like a cross promotional thing to begin with. So I remember yeah, yeah. on a day when we probably would have all wanted to be working on extra jokes and things, um, the, the bigger focus was the fact that they wanted a full model plane set because they wanted to recreate Lost as a sketch. Oh, like, wow. so they were working yeah. on, they're bringing sand and palm trees into the studio and <laughs> we don't even know what the script is yet. And it was, anyway, it went to where it got pretty pilloried uh for you know legitimate reasons uh probably looking back um there were some high points and some really low points but then it got axed after two weeks two weeks i think it's if not the it's one of the shortest ever lived series in australian tv because you know if they wow. filmed it all in advance they would have just let it roll or roll out anyway yeah, get, yeah but it was live so they were able to save money straight away by cancelling it and yeah for me that was the failure i most cherish because i was so new and i genuinely thought it was going to be my big break. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm I'm 21 years old and I'm on the prime time Channel Seven show. I, my whole career is set, and yeah. it was a wonderful way, you know, to fail hard and fail early because suddenly, I I was, you know, there was an element of public humiliation. I was still at uni anyway, so I had to turn back up to class and. and uh, oh my god! Yeah, it was it was brutal. Like at the time, I remember thinking, you know, if they could just not have it live and be able to edit this, it'd be really good. Well, <laughs> you yeah. Know? And, and I think the, 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 the principle or the, the key sort of, because I love the idea of live TV. It doesn't happen enough. There should be more of it. Mm. It's, it's the, the, the window is closing on the chance to even do it because it's so fragmented. And, but we had auto cue still. And for me, that was, that was a concern yeah. because uh, yeah. I was the new kid. It was meant to be the idea that anything could happen, but I also got a vague sense and that I would be in trouble if I didn't stick to my lines. But you remove the lines and let talented people with some skills go nuts, yeah, then um, exactly. it's going to be more fun. But uh, still, wonderful experience, beautiful people, all the rest of it. But it was it was a hard failure. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I've had a few of those, mate. And uh, yep. I, I mean, I think, you know, the same thing, obviously, with the wage where you thought, I, I thought that, you know, my career's kicking in. And then, and then the failure of that, it was like, in a sense, it was different because it went for 52 episodes. So the, the public were reminded week after week <laughs> that we, <laughs> we, we weren't up to snuff. Well, and, what are you uh, saying? You're saying you, you would have. You would have had it cancelled sooner if you could. You mean is that because uh, of response or because of the, what it ended up being? Yeah, I I, I felt that it, it it started to get into the area of humiliation. You know that <laughs> no, no, humiliation is too strong a word, but just yeah. I thought I was destroying my career by that sense we just want to run and hide. Or yeah, like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just you know it was like one of those situations. I think I may have even said this in the past, but you were made up at Park Street St Kilda. So whatever weird character you were playing, in Julia Zemiro's case and Julie Eckersley, I believe, they, they played plastic surgeons' wives, which involved this grotesque makeup with latex and everything where the mouths were lopsided and the nose were all fucked up and the lips were, you know, um, asymmetrical. And uh, so then when they would get out of the makeup room at Park Street St Kilda, walk to their cars looking like this, drive themselves into the city to a parking bay, get out of the car at the parking bay and then walk all the way into the, like Collins Street or wherever where oh. the set was, dressed as that. There's like no one taking them to set. You know, if, if, if the show's being like, you know, having Blind. worldwide acclaim at the time, oh, then, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, you can put up with that. You know, but That's right, yeah. Um, oh, Julie Eckersley yeah. uh, and Queenie van der Zandt, both other cast members on Let Loose Live, by the way. Uh, what, oh, what really? But, wow. Yeah. Um, we had a Good News World was the, you know, 10 years after that, but, you know, that, that was a sketch show that was born of Good News Week that I was on with, with Randy and that was a similar situation where it was, you know, not raining well, it was bumped after three episodes to a much later time slot. And so that sense of failure, but still having 10 weeks to go, like we got a lot out of it, yeah. and, but it's the morale thing is, is huge. So you came out of those experiences as a hardened showbiz veteran. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think and slowly realizing it's still just being on TV in general is still progress in terms of an early career. And so yeah. you, people don't mark you as harshly as you mark yourself, but that led like the next failure was far more recent and failure is a strong word actually to use. Interesting that I just went to that without questioning that because Randy and I, okay, Heath McIver, you know, colleague, best friend, puppeteer, mm. um, as Sammy Jane, Randy, our, our musical man puppet duo, we made a sitcom called Ricketts Lane. For, oh yeah. For yeah. ABC. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. With and, Nathan Lovejoy. Yeah, that's love joy. Yeah. And but that was that was the big dream. That was like since being in high school, watching Lana yeah. Woodley. The idea of having a sitcom on ABC was everything to me. And so when we were doing our live tours and overseas and everything, it was always that was the golden goose, you know. And then we got the chance to do it and we wrote it and it was stupid and big and had music and all sorts going on in it. Um and we again assumed <laughs> or I assumed this is it, this is the big break. Now yeah. we'll go three sitcoms and a movie, you know, and it'll be and it came out and again, it had a lovely response. We actually got an actor nomination. You know, so when I say failure, like it's a strong word to use, but it didn't capture the hearts of the masses at all. It was completely weird and problematic and, you know, all sorts of things going on. And then we thought we we're going to get a second series and we didn't, but it was really dragged out at ABC until, oh, you know, wow. we changed our schedules and stuff and a lot of promises oh. and stuff. And then that didn't happen. So that was massive and that was like what six seven years ago now but that was where i thought oh wow i've had a good run carnival's over be grateful but it's you know it's, um nothing's going to come from that however the reason i cherish it is uh because a month or so later abc called me and said look federal elections coming up it was 2016 
you know, um, I think they're feeling a bit sorry for, for us and, and do you want to do some um, daily election stuff? And I was like, oh, well, Randy was off looking at some solo stuff in the States. I went, yeah, I'll do it. And they said, what's your idea? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll do like a play school parody. I don't know. Like, I, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sort of grumpy and downbeat. That led to playground politics, which was the start of my sort of yes. satirical career, which has really been the last six years of my career and opened up so many doors and new audiences. Wow. And, and yes. that genuinely would not have happened if we'd been given what I thought we wanted, which was a second series. Because as I said, that whole year was set aside already. I simply would have said no. So that's a beautiful thing for me of just going, I've yeah, never had a big break at all. It's just um, being ready for opportunities and sticking around and trying to get better. You actually need to believe that whatever show you're working on will be a big break. Yeah. Well, else what's the point of doing it? You know, it's like, yeah, well, or, or, or to be the best version of whatever it is. Exactly. You're doing. Yeah. 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 Um, and John Casimir, uh, producer and, and you know, who was at ABC at the time, but I remember he, he said that sometimes you just got to, um, is it break the, yeah, break your Holy grail, have it smashed. That's the best thing for you. And I think that that in that case was absolutely true for me because I still get to be proud that Randy and I made a show. We still might do stuff in future, but I also got to expand my horizons and new mm -hmm. challenges. And, um, it makes you, if I have that chance again in any form, I'll be, my attitude will be so much more Zen, like yeah, try and have fun, try and do good stuff, but, um, yeah, try and make it the best thing you can, but don't go in with expectations of how it'll be received because in both directions, they won't be met. You know, it could surprise yeah. you, could shock you. That's right. I, I, I often think, you know, I'm, sometimes when you're mentoring people, I mean, you almost want to talk about the war stories, but you can't. You've got to let them go through it because it's going to yeah. happen. But they also need to believe that, you know, whatever they're making could change the Australian television forever, <laughs> you know. And I get I get embarrassed. I think back to all the people we worked with, even on, on Ricketts Lane, and we would have, you know, we were still pretty young punks and we clearly were really ambitious and we really believed mm. in it. And I think, oh, gosh, you know, that we were sounded up by these hardheads who'd seen it all before and, and they must have had a, a smile, you know, the, <laughs> uh, not a patronising smile, but it's like, okay, well, good on you. You've got to go through this yourself. Um, and that's just the, the, the way of the world. As you say, I don't think anyone's taking me aside and saying, you know what, this isn't going to be as good as you thought it would be. That would have been helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been soul-destroying. <laughs> and I reckon those, <laughs> those hard and grisly old people would have, would have gone, you know what, there's a chance. There's a chance that these yeah, guys yeah. could do it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, question four, mate, is which word or phrase do you most overuse? This is an easy one to answer and I'm working on it, but it's definitely no worries if not. Yeah. Which is <laughs> how I'll, I'll end text emails and lately i've been really interrogating that because it's it's the people pleaser in me i don't want to cause issues i want to be nice and friendly and and but then i think fuck you know what i spend so much time when someone asks me to do something trying to do it because i want to please them yeah i'm getting screwed at both ends you know i'm like you know what i need to stop if i'm going to bother asking someone about something maybe i should try and make it a bit of a problem for them to sort out and and maybe i should make them work hard because i'm working hard as well i can't i can't diminish myself entirely so i'm trying to say no worries if not a bit less and just be miffed if they didn't do the thing i'm asking for oh, mate i think that's my favorite answer to this question <laughs> no worries if not because what's the point of it like it. It, like it will be a worry it's actually a lie it's also just the pretense of being a nice guy like if i let's say i've asked someone that i want to borrow uh their microphone because i'm doing a live gig no worries. If not, no, there will be a worry. I'll have to find a microphone <laughs> now. So it's a lie to begin with. Like I could say, I will understand if you're not able to fulfill this request, but I don't need to, because it's not, shouldn't be my, like, 
they can decide how much I mean to them, how much it'll inconvenience them, and they can let me know. I don't need to just like make it easy for them. That's not my job. I'm busy trying to please other people. I said yes to doing Adam's podcast. It's not convenient, but I like the man. Yeah, I'm having that's... a great time. You know what I mean? Like, you don't say no. I think you did say no. Is it? I mean, you did. You probably because you're nice as well. You're yeah, yeah, like, hey, people busy them. time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like, no, make make people want it. Like, invest back yourself and 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 outsource the idea of worrying about whether it fits into their life to the person who is best equipped to answer that question, which is them, not you. <laughs> they have more knowledge of the situation. Do you know that thing is like, you know, it's a, it's a statement about people from the church of England faith who, who just want to live and then die without making too much of a kerfuffle. That's their whole, <laughs> that's their whole ambition in life. This, on the gravestone. He didn't make a fuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries if not. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah. I, I guess that leads perfectly into uh, question five. The final question, do you have a motto? Oh, yeah. So the, that, that would be my default motto. I don't have a motto in terms of like this is, you know, put on a business card, but I've, I've got a philosophy, uh, which which is, I, I think, pretty accurate in terms of my approach to any other different role I've done, which is uh, so simple, but it's just don't be boring. That is, that is it. And I think that has been my help and my hindrance over many years. Because, you know, I look back at my messy little career, you know, and, and back to those early days of doing lame as, you know, Elliot Goblet style piano songs and, and or, or, or sitting on trivia panel TV shows where I'm just not saying anything because I, I don't want to do the the standard thing. I, I've always been trying to do something that is unusual or taking yeah, a risk. Yeah. Or, and at many times that's been a massive problem for me because I haven't just thrown myself into something and just chilled out. You know, I've been trying mm. to be too clever or trying to, um, on the other hand, it's, it's let me do interesting stuff that I find, you know, challenging and then that has reached an audience because it's, it's not going with the, the groove, you know, I've never been part of comedy trends and I probably would have had more success if I had been, but just try to do the thing that interests me that will be different, that is not um, derivative. And, you know, uh, uh, that has resulted in a career that is all over the place and doesn't have much consistency, but underneath it all, there is the same sense of humor, which is me at, at primary school trying to, you know, mess stuff up and just be unexpected. Um, I just finished up my, my weekly spot with ABC last year because that had been going for five years of doing political satire, the one that started after Rickards Lane. And yeah. that was just, I could have kept doing it, which is a delightful position to be in, but I just felt like I was starting to approach doing the same thing each week and that's just don't want to do that. So I yeah. made that call. Um, I've, I've wrote a kid's book and I think they want me to, well, they were keen when they first commissioned me to like do 20 in a row. And, and I had one book in me because I wanted, I had a good story and I, I wrapped it up. And so they're, it annoyed yeah. me for that, I think, but I, I just don't want to do stuff that, that's boring. And that's the thing that, um, that guides me. Um, and so, as I say, that that's been helpful and probably shot myself in the foot because of it. But I'm, at least it's something I can be proud of, even if the resulting work is not something to be proud of, but the philosophy is behind it. So you've got a, a little person on your shoulder at all times going, will this cut through? Will this be entertaining? Because you're doing radio at two and a half hours, three hours at yeah. Morning. yeah, every morning. Um, and it applies more to radio than ever before because talkback radio, you know, the stereotype of talkback radio is that it's boring. That's the whole thing, you know. And so my, I come in and treat it like theatre sports. Like, okay, yeah. I'm talking to a counsellor today about a, a bike lane. How can I actually make this interesting for the listeners and for me in this moment? And yes. that's, you know, a really small little world to inhabit, but try and inhabit it fully and try and make it, like we said before, make it the best thing it can be in the moment. 
and you know regularly fail at that but it just it keeps me excited Go, okay what's the how can i make this different to what other people are listening to um and if i'm making that effort then if people switch off and don't like it i'm completely relaxed with that you know when you when you change what you're doing to try and please other people but you don't believe in it and we've all been there many times you know but that's just to fail then is the worst type of failure because you've sold yourself out and no one likes you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, you, you lie awake at night just beating yourself up for making that decision. So how did yeah. you transition? Like, where did you get the idea to transition from, you know, sketch comedy, uh, narrative comedy, stand-up to, to radio? When they called me and asked if I'd like to host a radio show. Oh, wow. Uh, genuinely. So end of 2019. So it was completely not on my radar. And I thought maybe maybe in 10 or 20 years. That was genuinely in my head. I thought that might be a thing to head towards. But yeah. I was still very, Sammy J was still very much a character name that I used and hid behind a lot. And I hated talk. I just never liked talking about myself, like my personal life, because I think it's sort of boring. Like I said, don't be boring. I feel like, yeah, yeah. No, what's interesting is maybe a, a witty song I can write with fun rhymes or, you know, a theatrical yeah, yeah. world with, with Randy. Or, um, but yeah, it was it, to, to my, I'm eternally grateful for it, but ABC came to me and said, we think you would be good at this job. And I, I said, I don't think I would be. And then they said, can you do a trial? And I actually said, well, can I have a co-host of the trial with like, and can we do it like late at night? Like I was putting up the genuine, genuine barriers to it, but it was one of those ones where, where, you know, it's nice sometimes maybe to believe if someone else believes in you, then they, there's something in it. So yeah. um, I gave the go and they gave me the job and it was completely unexpected and it's showbiz. So I took the opportunity and I started in January, 2020. So I definitely got lucky there. <laughs> Oh, mate, like, and you're a natural at it too. So it's just, I mean, whoever had that idea, like, that they know what they're talking about because um, there are a lot of good communicators out there who can't be radio hosts. You know, it's it's such a skill, and you don't know it's such a skill until you've actually heard yourself on radio. Well, like, for me, I just go, oh, okay, well, I won't be doing that. That's one thing I never need to worry about. I don't know. But, you know, part of my, I mean, I've got all sorts of lessons I feel like I've learned and I'm learning, but part of it is, like to what you just said, that you can muck up all the time, but then the best thing about it, and Patricia Carvella said this to me, you know, fellow ABC radio, um, before I started, she said, yeah, you can muck up, but then you can repair really quickly. Like if you muck up on a TV show or something, it's like you've got to put out an apology or you've got to wait a yeah, week yeah. to have it. You know? But a radio it's like five minutes later, you know what I just said? Hey, I'm sorry about that. No, I didn't mean that it was out of context. And you just move on. And so it's a really good Great. lesson in quick repairs. But I don't know. Yeah, like I'm still, uh, you know, I'm, some people don't like me on radio, some people do, but I think, probably what it's what it's given me is the chance to be myself more and actually to be sincere a lot and that's the thing that comedy never gave me because yes. to be sincere in comedy is, is instant death a lot of the time and that's probably was always my problem a little bit as well that i was um trying to do edgy gear that was like borderline or just objectively offensive particularly in my early years just desperate to get the laughs in a world i didn't fit in when actually i'd feel bad about that and it wasn't really me but now in the radio world i i'm, I'm try and be funny when I want to be, but the rest of the time it's just, yeah, being sincere and not being embarrassed about that. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to sign up to The Kicker where you can see bonus video content on episodes as well as heaps of other journalism and opinion. That's thekicker.substack.com. See you next time.